Welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast, and we are doing it live again this week from the Gateway Film Center. <laughs> always glad to be back here. It's always a blast. And, uh, yeah, it's all about the high school dances, the high school dances this week. Is, are they... Is everyone going to be prom, or could it be random high school dance? The random high school dance. Okay. Yeah, there's that's at least one that's clearly not the prom. All right. Not giving too much away, but uh, before we go uh, forward, go back last week, and we had some spirited discussions, some spirited comments uh, from last week's um, countdown. Yeah, we counted out uh, the best alien horror movies, and even as we ended the podcast, I said I thought we were going to get in trouble because I did not include The Blob, which I love. I mean, I love The Blob, but there were five better ones, and so I didn't include it in the podcast. Not a, not a peep. Nobody cared about The Blob. It was all Predator. It was all yeah. Predator. Yeah. And I thought, that's not even a horror movie, which right. I said to just blazing disagreement from senior Stephen King correspondent, Dr. Neil McMarshall. We're just so happy to have him back. He's been gone for a while, and he's been back, and he commented more or less favorably on the found footage one. But yeah, he took some issues, actually, across the board with the... Yeah, uh, so it really got into this big philosophical discussion when, really, you just boil it down to the old joke about pornography. You know, I know it when I see it. I've seen Predator. And it's not a horror movie. Or as we were going to say, Bridget knows it when she sees it. <laughs> Pornography? <laughs> we're just one big show. happy we're family here now. But <laughs> uh, is that going to make it past the censors? Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Oh, actually, but, uh, it, was, it was interesting, the online debate. Hey, guys, a, a welcome. Listener, we haven't seen Perez. you in a while. Uh, joined, chimed in, and had my back. See, Fred. I'm sorry, I was talking to the crowd. You were, you totally were. It's all right. <laughs> Got to work the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. You had, we have a new <laughs> listener named Steve, right? <laughs> yeah, and he agreed with us. And but then it okay. came down to uh, given given the theories, Neil thought that we could just throw out all zombie movies based on the theories. Well, we're not doing stuff. that. No. no. But we love you, Nack Mac. We do love we you, love Nack Mac. So uh, happy keep to have keep you those back. comments coming. And he also brought up Under the Skin, which is. Which we, we loved as a movie, but it's more sci-fi, really. It's definitely uh, not a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely not a horror no, movie. But, it's you know, great. Hey, it's a great uh, as movie. we've said before, all yeah. comments welcome and keep them coming anytime. At uh, Mad Wolf on Twitter. And I think it's the, first time, it's the first time that we've heard somebody complain about what I do and do not consider a horror movie. I think it's the first time. Is I it think. really? Besides me? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that was a <laughs> that was a good one. And uh, one of the things we we mentioned uh, last week was that we were so geeked because we got to see the witch uh, the other day. And uh, Hope's only had I think two beers, so she's not going to spill the entire plot. But uh, <laughs> so this is totally what happened. I'm not, I'm not going to. But I no. did love it. I mean, yeah, we, we loved love it. it. We would say thumbs up. Um, it, it's it's a little different. I mean, it's it's slow moving. It's one of those that some yeah, people there's will no ru- jump scares. There's no it's it's just a really incredibly well made. Yeah, some people may write it off as, film. as boring, but it but it's not. It's very unsettling. It kind of gets under the skin to use that term again. And um, the the period details it's set back in the Puritan age, like the 1600s, are are so well done. Uh, the, the whole mood of the entire thing that it just slowly builds to the to the climax. So anyway, that's all we're going to say about that. And, but but the heart of it is, which I believe to be the truest thing that you can ever keep in mind. Don't ever go in the woods. What in the hell <laughs> yeah. are you thinking? Yeah, bad, bad thing. So that's coming out. But in honor of that, next weekend, next weekend yeah. in honor of that, our next podcast is going to be best best witch movies. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. To us, we've already gotten some. Mad Wolf. Uh, we've already gotten a few for yeah. Twitter is at Mad Wolf. Uh, MadWolf.com. Uh, Facebook.com. You could also Mad you could Wolf also Columbus. bring it up on uh, the Columbus Horror Society. Yes. Plenty of ways to get to get a hold of us. So that's the witches that is coming uh, next week. Uh, and uh, but let's get to it. We've got the high school dance 
and the top five favorite high school slash prom horror movies. So I'm just going to let you know that we're going to start right off with debate because George was opposed to including this film on this list. And I felt as though, even though it's certainly not a great movie, it's, it's a required film on a list of best prom night horror. Because it's prom night from 1980. Everyone at Hamilton High is getting ready for prom night. Tonight, someone has come to the prom alone. If you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. Yeah, is it me? That's it's just bad. I I don't know that prom night. I I realize that maybe you were digging. You were digging for number five, or you think this is really quality? No, there stuff actually here. are a couple films that didn't make the list. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Cabin Fever two, which uh, has a really great dance sequence actually, but it's a it's a terrible terrible movie. I think Prom Night is fun. Leslie Nielsen is the principal. Yes, please. Jamie Lee Curtis and those thumbs. She's like all thumbs. It's, That's I just I wanna, love. I love I don't how. No, though, it, like in 1980, is that what people wore to the prom in 1980? Did I go to the prom in 1980? I, think I don't I think, think I did, but um, <laughs> you know what? I think it's pretty close because I think I might, my first prom might have been 81, and I had some serious bell bottoms. Yeah, you so. had the Napoleon Dynamite. I've seen I the did. pictures. The yeah. corduroy suit. Yeah, buddy, mm-hmm. styling. But uh, all right, you know, the one thing I do like about this movie, uh, the rotary phones there, yeah. you couldn't tell from the trailer, but on the rotary phones, even though it's not set, here in CBUS, the area code is 614 yeah, that they use uh, in, on the rotary phones. And even though it was shot in, in Toronto, Canada, for some of reason, course it was. they've got 614 on the rotary phone. So for that, I give it the Central Ohio thumbs up, but that's so about there's it. Two reasons, there's two reasons that the, that the movie has staying power. And one, I think, is obviously Jamie Lee Curtis, who was just the queen of all horror in I'll give you that. Yeah. Yep. Um, even though like, there's like, it's, they're too old for games. Well, they're, they're too old to be called the prom. They're like 30-year-old you know, you can't go with a 17-year-old boy, ladies. That's just creepy. Um, but then, and also Leslie Nielsen, which I've mentioned before, it always kills me that he plays the dad. But um, as they mentioned in the film Scream, this is one of the first films that did this sort of, you know, childhood trauma, comes back in the end to kill people uh, structure, which then, you know, one in five movies has done ever since then. So mm-hmm. I think that it gets credit for that. Okay. And also... And the disco. And the disco. It just gave oh, me disco fever, George. Good Lord, that's bad, isn't it? <laughs> Woo! But you know what? You love Jamie Lee Curtis in this. It was almost Eve Plum from the Brady Bunch. She actually came close wow. to getting this role. Yeah. Jan? Yes. Jan? Eve Plum. Jan's thumbs could never do this. <laughs> but you know what? She would have gotten all she would have gotten all done up with the afro for the for the prom. Oh, that's right. That would have been sweet. That would have been sweet. So 1980 prom night ekes in. At number five on our list. So let's get to the better stuff. And uh, from just a, yeah, one up one notch at number four, 1992, the original movie version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You threw a knife at my head. And you caught it. The Slayer is unmasked. Let's finish it. I think this relationship has potential. Hi. How's it going? Stab him in the heart. Buffy. You're not like other girls. Yes, I am. Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. You didn't even break a nail. Okay, so obviously this went on to uh, spawn the uh, TV series, but uh, and Joss Joss Whedon, I guess, 
wasn't really happy with how this turned out from his original vision. Uh, wasn't very happy by the time it made it to the screen. Well, I think that you can tell when you see, because um, he wrote this, but you can see, you know, where he took the TV series. Right. That this was this was a little campy, I think, probably for him. Um, and you know, it doesn't have the same. You know, the the films that he would go on to direct and to write, you know, they have a dark sense of humor. They're very witty and intelligent, but they're not they're not campy. Yeah. Um, That's one of the things, I guess, they made it a lot lighter yeah. than his original version. I guess he, he also, uh, his version of the script uh, was released in a comic uh, called The Origin, um, which was more true to what his vision was. So I think by the time this actually made it to its final production, he pretty much walked away from the production uh, entirely. Let me tell you why I don't care. Okay. Paul Rubens <laughs> and Rutger Hauer are in a movie together. Like, I don't even care what that movie is. I'm all about that movie, whatever that movie is. And the fact that they play vampires, and then Donald Sutherland is also in the movie, I'm 100% in. I'm totally in. Hilary Swank with her giant teeth, she plays like a... That's her first movie, yeah. Yeah, and she plays like a, a vapid teenage girl. Yeah. Instead of, you know, the sort of stoic hero that she plays in every other film that she's ever in. So, you know, she in this movie, you can see... And actually, she sort of uh, Ben Affleck is in this, too. He's, he plays... Uh, plays on the opposing basketball yeah, team. Yeah. He gives the ball to a vampire player, so that's one of his first ones, too. Mm. So, uh, But the, one of the other uh, bones of contention with Joss Whedon, I guess, was Donald Sutherland, who he referred to as a dick. Well, <laughs> I mean, he can be a dick. I guess, Donald Sutherland. Yeah, I guess he pretty much just rewrote all of his lines, uh, which uh, <laughs> didn't set well with the writer. But, uh, but he brings a great a great presence uh, to the movie, uh, along with Rutger Hauer. And, you know, and... and uh, I want to say Pee Wee Herman, Paul, Paul Rubens. Rubens. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, I mean, I'm, makes it fun I as well. was so incredibly happy to see him. Uh, I think we saw this movie in the theater like three times just because of that. It had been, you know, a dry spell. It had been a Paul Rubens dry spell because of the pornography problem. Why do we keep coming back to porn? <laughs> it's like a theme. This it's movie. one of those things. But I love Paul Rubens. I love Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, so and, you happy. Know, and Rutger Hauer, among my very first ever crushes. Yeah, and says he, a lot, I think, about why I do this, right? <laughs> But you know who else was supposed to make cameos as vampires? Mick Jagger, nice, and David Bowie. Oh my God! Yeah, but uh, but it didn't happen. But that would have just that would have upped it on your. It list. would have. <laughs> it would have bumped it at least to three. Yeah. So it's got. I mean, it it has the horror aspect, but it's got. It is. It's barely a horror. Movie. It is. It's but, uh, because you know, it made the make list it, because Paul Rubens is in it. They did make it a little too light. Yeah. Right. Okay. A little too uh, teen. Luke Perry. Okay. But better than Prom Night. <laughs> All right, that's, a, that's the last time I'll rag on Prom Night. But that's why, uh, that's number four, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer original film from 1992. Let's get a, a little more recent going up for uh, number three. Just from last year, The Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Costume party? No. I'm a scout. Like an actual scout? Yeah. <laughs> for these best friends tonight... Dude, the bouncer's gone. It's sneaking. They get their first taste. Hello, women. Hello, Sweet Jesus. Oh, my God! Are you a stripper? Cocktail waitress. It's a zombie apocalypse. Come on, we're scouts. We're trained for this. Let's kick some zombie ass. 
That is a lot of fun. It's got that same sort of theme, the Shaun of the Dead type of, of structure, but they, they have a lot of fun with it just from it's the actually, scout's angle. Yeah, to me, it's um, super bad with zombies. I know, right? Yeah, that's it a, is. That's a, that's, that's a great way to describe it. Super bad with zombies, yeah. And, it's, it's, and a little bit of a little bit of zombie land vibe, I guess. Yeah, in there, a little yeah, bit I think so. I love Ty Sheridan. Yeah, uh, the kid who plays the main scout. You know, I uh, you know I loved him in Joe, and I, I know I should just go change the scene um, <laughs> for anybody listening. It's just bare naked yeah. breasts we've, on the screen we've behind. Stopped, we stopped just, the trailer so right where the zombie right boobs pop out. I so. didn't really. Okay, that's good. We're all about crowd pleasing. That's right. <laughs> here at Fright Club, but. Uh, it's got that whole very, very fun vibe. Yeah, and you're right. Ty Sheridan is great. Uh, and all the kids really are a lot, they a lot are. of fun. They, they do are well. Really good. The kid who plays Augie, I just love. David Keckner plays the scout leader. He's hilarious and a very big Dolly Parton fan in this film. Um, uh, you know, it's just fun. It actually got panned. Critics, aside from me, really did not care for it. I know the Howards liked it, and, and, and I liked it. I just thought it was very fun. It was sweet and fun. At one point, Augie was just very excited to just be in a girl's bedroom. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> it smells like pixie sticks and hope in here, right? That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I love that line. You know, that's funny. I didn't realize it got critically panned that much. Yeah, because people did not care for it. It was actually included uh, in 2010. It was included on a list of the most liked unmade scripts. Uh-huh. So it had been floating around for a few years. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's fun. It's just, it's very fun. I mean... You know, and the, and the way that Superbad was an R-rated comedy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, I think that throws people sometimes when it's three kids who are the stars, and yet children should not see it for real. They totally shouldn't see it. <laughs> Just this freeze frame behind me, to make that clear. <laughs> and, you know, and it's got a couple little uh, homages to other movies, too. You've Definitely. Got a mile marker uh, shows, says Haddonfield on it, which yeah. of course is the setting for Halloween. So, but yeah, it's, it's one of those we just have a lot of fun with. Especially if you know some history of horror movies and, and just like this type of treatment of it. Right. Plus, it's just a fun coming-of-age film, and yeah. we're going to be doing coming-of-age horror coming up, actually, in you know a few weeks out. So who knows? Maybe this will return. Nice segue. Thank so, you. So, yeah, uh, number three on our list from 2015, The Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. And now we get into the bones of contention. The top two movies. Because we movies. haven't been complaining up to now. <laughs> the real one. This is the serious debate as to what falls in at number two and what is number one. And on Hope's list, her number two is Carrie. Carrie White. The girl no one likes. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. Show her that if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. If you have a taste for terror, (laughs) you have a date with Carrie. So there you go. That's the one I think should be number one, but on the list it's number two. Wait, before we get into this, I have to say that. This is not John Travolta's feature film debut. Right. As everybody knows, it was Devil's Rain. Devil's Rain. It totally melts. Completely yeah. melts off. But it was Devil's Rain. It was not. And I guess when, when he was cast, Brian De Palma didn't realize he was on Welcome Back, Cotter and was becoming <laughs> a big star. So, okay. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, throughout his career, I'm not the biggest Brian De Palma fan, really. 
Um, the thing that drives this movie, of course, are the two the two main performances. I mean, Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie are great. And uh, and you know and it's 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 well done especially for a Brian De Palma film I think this is one of his his better ones but the performances drive it and and I think make it as good as it is. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm, I mean, we're not really gonna take sides to that much of a degree. I love this movie. Right. I adore this movie. Here's why I didn't make number one, honey. It was all for you, PJ Souls. I thought he doesn't want to talk about a PJ Souls <laughs> movie at number one. I wasn't even gonna bring her up. <laughs> as I always say about PJ Souls, I'm sure she's a lovely person. <laughs> But uh, one of the things, uh, Sissy Spacek's performance, which which I didn't know, um, she, well, not only did she isolate herself from the rest of the cast to, you know, to help feed that that feeling of, of isolation and, and being an outcast, but she she studied body language of people being stoned for their sins. Well, that's to, just weird. Yeah, isn't it weird? That's an unusual. But decision. to get because certain body languages of when she's you know taken over by the telekinesis or whatever. Yeah. But uh, and and Piper Laurie. Had to, I guess, had to be convinced that her character was not that it wasn't. This movie was not a black comedy, because <laughs> she thought she thought uh, Mrs. White was so so over the top in her religious, you know, zealotry that it had nobody would buy it. That it had to be a comedy, and she kind of played it, thinking that people would think it was a comedy. You know, and and they had to just keep reassuring her. No, this is a horror film. Yeah, it's a super scary horror film. Yeah, actually. And, and she's the, just know, batshit uh, crazy. Yeah, and the you know the jump scare at the end was at the time completely unique. Oh, I know. It yeah, scared the living hell out of people. My yeah. babysitter scared the shit out of Gina <laughs> Perna, who was my babysitter at the time. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, uh, I do, I think both performances, which were Oscar nominated, which is unheard of yeah, for a horror movie. It really is. But they you deserved know? it. They did. I mean, they were, they were really just magnificent. And, and I actually like, I, you know, I think I like De Palma a little better than you do, but I mean, I definitely have some issues with him. Um, the way that he lights this movie, the whole opening is got this soft light with the soft yeah. music, like a tampon ad appropriately enough you know <laughs> and then uh and then as you get closer to the prom it becomes harsher li- lighting and then mm-hmm. at the prom he finally goes to the split screen and it's very sort of Gloria Swanson you know crazy uh, uh close up on her face and the way that she behaves at the prom I mean it, you know I think that uh the way he he the way he lights in films and frames movies this doesn't look like the rest of his films the rest of his films look like Hitchcock ripoffs this doesn't this looks like a unique and interesting and um, content driven way to frame a film and and I, I do I love this movie. it's interesting though what it does take from Hitchcock from psycho especially is those four those four stabbing music yeah, notes yeah. and that's because it was done the same um, the guy who did the score for psycho uh, Bernard Herman uh, had also worked with De Palma before and was going to score this, but then he passed away Oh-ho. before before he could work on it. But they took that that four note kind of stabbing uh, sequence. He wor- steals all kinds of stuff. He does. Back. He really does. But although the, who doesn't? I mean, but uh, this one. I mean, you, you you knew if you've seen Psycho, obviously you recognize that music. But it, but it kind of works in the in those scenes, and uh, he doesn't, you know. Pick his, his his bones of other movies on this movie on this film too much, but uh, he's he's pretty well known as somebody that borrows wink wink yeah. from uh, from Hitchcock. But um, but I do want to say, which I said before, the ending to the film that he wrote is, to my mind, cons- I, well, I hope Knack Mac doesn't disagree, considerably better than Stephen King's ending to the novel. You know, it's much tidier and and well, it doesn't spread things out across the town because honestly, once she's once she's hit the prom goers, the real problem is at home. We want to see what's going on at home, and um, I just I, I so much prefer De Palma's ending to Stephen King. Well, but here's the thing, though. What I, is the thing? I, th- I think 
he if if budget would have allowed, I think the original plan. Are you? talking specifically about laying waste to the town yeah. and setting everything on fire. Yeah. I think that was in the original plan to this movie, but it was just it was beyond their budget, and they couldn't do well, it. Well, as we pointed out before, they wanted to show more of the shark and Jaws, and look how well it turned out that That's they couldn't. Right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not arguing with you that it works, but I mean, sometimes that, yeah, exactly, it works out that way. But uh, I think originally the plan was to, to film that whole, and, and they do it in the, uh, in the, in the remake, uh, the one with uh, Julianne Moore and Chloe Moretz. They did yeah. do the whole... Uh, Raise your hand if anybody believes, anybody believes that Chloe Moretz was a wallflower in high school. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I, you hate that, the I remake, a lot more than I do. I think it was all right. Certainly wasn't up to, the, up to par with this one. But uh, So number two on our list from 1976, it is Carrie, and that leaves room at number one for the one we're going to see here in just a couple of minutes. Number one on our list for high school dance horror, The Loved Ones. Will you go to the dance with me? Sorry, Loma. I'm going with Holly. I'm going to stab Holly in the heart. Just like you did to me. Alright, now just because I was arguing for this to be number two doesn't mean I don't like it. It's right, good stuff. exactly. It's you good can't stuff. not like and this again, movie. And again, driven by a stupendous lead performance. Oh my god. Robin McLeavy, who plays Lola and you know. The whole song. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. <laughs> and she has a way with power tools. That's right. It, it may take a drill bit to get it, but she's <laughs> going to get it. Yeah, so uh, obviously she's uh, a little upset that uh, her dream man uh, spurned her at the prom, so uh, she decides to have her own little dance there with her dad. And that's a whole family that's, um, well, it's dysfunctional to say the least. <laughs> but um, and, and then it's got the, um, it, it also has some humor to it because it's got that side plot about the friend who takes the, uh, the goth girl, yeah. and they're hilarious. They are, yeah. And it, you know, it's, uh, I think it's kind of important because otherwise the movie tends to be pretty grim. There are sort of three plots. There's uh, the teenage boy that Lola likes. He's got some family issues. And that's really a very sort of very down and depressing story. And mm-hmm. then you've got his goofy uh, best friend who's all very excited. That's, it's mostly comic, but there is a little bit of sadness tinged to it. And then you've got Lola, which is just batshit insane. But the, I think the director does a great job, Sean Byrne, who wrote and directed this movie. He's got another one that just came out called Devil's Candy, which has not come to Columbus. Let's do something about that. And he, he, I think he brings the three storylines together in a way that you're like, oh, right. Oh, I didn't think that was what was going to happen, which... Um, it's unsettling. It's nice, and 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 um, there's just sort of a glittery pink carnage about the whole movie that I am so behind. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this this will uh, surprise you, not at all. She prepared for the role uh, by researching uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, and uh-huh. also watching Misery. An Ohio State University former student, by the way. Yikes. Uh, and also watching Misery, Natural Born Killers, and a bunch of Tarantino movies. Yeah. So, yeah. Good stuff. All right. And I think it works. So, yeah, she definitely uh, drives drives the film. Not that anyone else is bad, but, I mean, no. she, you just can't take your eyes no, off of it. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And uh, so we've got that coming up here in just a couple of minutes. We don't want to spoil too much because I know we've got a, more than a few people who haven't seen it, which That's is right. awesome. So we'll look forward to next week we talked about uh, the next uh, – podcast subject will be witches that's right to go along with the uh, very cool new movie the witch check that out when it comes out and the next the next live event is going to be on march 9th we're going to show uh grabbers which you have not if you've not seen it it's a, it's a hilarious beer laden creature feature out of ireland and we're going to count down the five best irish horror films yeah and we've had the uh john gave us the recommendation to maybe 
combo that with the beer tasting, which we know nothing about beer, so we're going to have to leave that to some, some more beer experts. Yeah, we'll look into it. We'll look into yeah, it. We'll look into we'll it. We'll kick that up and see if anybody... Yeah? The, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We have John, some people John up there. John says that we can't <laughs> just say Miller Light. Miller Light. He says we're not allowed <laughs> yeah. to just pair everything with So Miller that's going to be the next uh, Fright Club Live coming up here on March the 9th. That's right, so come out and drink with us and be Irish. Yes. It'll be fun. So uh, that's on the way, and uh, you can check out this podcast probably on Monday. Monday. We'll be up at madwolf.com and uh, also Golden Spiral Media, the fine folks that host our podcast. We thank you for that very much. And um, that's about it, right? Yeah. We've got to get to the movie. We do. We've got to fire it up. So until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. And Stay Fright Club, my friends. There you go. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you.